Warning. Anime Out of Context contains spoilers, explicit language, and general tomfoolery. Neither of our hosts are experts on any topic, and you should not take their opinions as such. Listen at your own discretion, and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Anime Out of Context, the show where I attempt to explain the sometimes weird, sometimes wonderful, but always hilarious world of anime. And I was like, weeby, 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 no. Like, weeby, 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 oh. Like, weeby, 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 no. I thought you'd always be mine. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it, Remington. I'm on fire. I'm Sean Rollins. I'm Remington Chase. (laughs) That's two in a row. I... I must be losing my touch or something. I'm getting better or worse. It's I, difficult to tell. I don't know. Sometimes our humor is too stupid to be allowed, and it just makes me laugh like a moron. So it's generally a good sign for whatever we're doing. You know, since I was so funny, we may as well just not even do an episode. That can be all the humor. We don't need to watch an anime or anything. Now, Remington, I think you and I both know. Nobody listens to us for our humor. <laughs> <laughs> That would be ridiculous. Like, what category are we under? Uh, uh, we're, we are under comedy. We are? Falsely so. I Oof. Uh, yeah. Oof. Uh, if you are listening to us and you expected a comedy podcast. We have very unfortunate news. I, d- I guess the closest thing you could call this is an educational or critical podcast. Uh, we, we are an educational podcast without educational merit, a comedy podcast without any humor, and we are a review podcast with very poor opinions. So the ultimate categorization for us is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it sounds like we should just run for office with those credentials. Hey! Uh, but, Remington, we are a podcast about anime, whether or not you like it. And I don't. So what are we jumping into this week? Well, I actually have something very interesting to talk with you about this time around. God damn it, I hate that word. Well, it's it's real life interesting. Uh-oh? Uh, but it's also kind of anime related. Okay, well, that's half good. Uh, Remington, we discussed a lot last week about art style. Yes, yes, it was one of the more controversial notes. Yeah, because art style is kind of an important factor in anime. While a good enough anime can make you look past the art style, depending on how bad or poorly animated it is, it is still a very important feature in any anime. It especially marks if you are unique or if you just simply blend into the million of other possible options. Which is good, but is also a making or breaking point when it comes to an anime. Because nowadays there are so many anime out there that if you have a really bad anime art style... It's going to be hard to get anybody interested in your show, no matter how quality it is. So we are going to be exploring a unique art style, I take it? Uh, yes, actually. It's a very interesting art style, to say the least. Uh, so much for... So much for? So much for. <laughs> there are four of them. There are four art styles. You're just encouraging Dylan to keep this in at this point. Oh, God, please no. <laughs> Kill him, cut this. Uh, yes, please. Do not include our mistakes or else we will be horribly embarrassed. But uh, so much so that this is actually uh, history making in a lot of ways. Oh, is it because it is the first ever anime that's art style 
is live action Corian House Part 2. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so innovative, so new, so novel. I am tilted. I'm tempted to just change the episode that we were doing right now. Fuck my preparation. I'm going to find some random ass sister fucking show and I'm going to do it to you right now if you keep this shit up. <laughs> Frankly, I'm amazed that that hasn't happened already where you've just done a quick shift as a middle finger. It will one day, I'm sure. Yeah, and perhaps it will. But for right now, I'm not going to do that. Because, Remington, the artist we're talking about today is famous for a lot of the different uh, creative character designs and art styles he's used in the industry, so much so that anime as a whole has changed for the better, I would say. Uh, his use of color and creativity and character design has influenced anime throughout the ages, uh, so much so that he is the only uh, mangaka to ever have his art featured in the loop. That is wildly impressive, though I do have a brief concern. What's your concern? If he has been so influential, is that just synonymous with really old? Because I'm not a fan of old anime. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a question. Uh, he, uh, it's not recent, his stuff. When is it? Uh, he started making anime in the early 90s, give or take. Oh, god damn it. Another old one. Well, Remington, we've done a lot of new stuff lately. I kind of have to, you know, shift the Wayback Machine back a bit so that we can, you know, cover some more bases. You know, there are anime in the 60s that we have to talk about at some point. All right, so let me quickly review what we're doing today. It's going to not know what storytelling is, have a lot of unique ideas that are interesting to see when they were new for the time, but now everything does it, so it's going to be mind-numbingly predictable and not at all as shocking or original as it was before. Thus, it's worthwhile to watch if you like the history of things, but ultimately, you shouldn't watch it if you want actual quality. See, here's the thing, Remington. This is one of the most popular uh, mangas in Japan. Like now? Yes. Okay. It's a long-running uh, manga that started in about uh, the late 80s and continued on all the way till uh, recently, actually. It's actually still ongoing, believe it or not. I am afeard. Why are you afeard? Because anything that's lasted that long has to be meh. Why is that? Because weebs have poor judgment, and so if it's continued this long, that is a series of bad decisions. What? It also shows that it can't tell a succinct story, which I'm never a fan of. Oh, whoa. Those of you who know the title of what we're talking about <laughs> are going to be very angry at Remington. I'm, I'm just working on pre-tilting our audience so that in the second half when I tear it apart... It's not new or unexpected. <laughs> I mean, I'm starting to get a little tilted. Remington, this man was featured in the Louvre. You know, the most famous art museum in the world? Which, once again, is wildly impressive. I think it'll be very beautiful, but and I'm probably not going to like it. Oh, God. I might, but it is anime, and it is old anime. I mean... I guess. It actually didn't really get an anime adaptation when it first came out, though. Oh? Yeah, uh, they, they tried to, mind. Uh, the issue was is they had a hard time animating his art style in particular because it uses a lot of very interesting angles and colors, 
uh, that uh, anime just wasn't ready for at the time. They actually had an OVA, uh, if you remember what those are, original video animations, um, back in uh, around when it first came out, uh, in the mid-90s, I believe. And it it was a heaping pile of garbage. Sorry, fans of it, but it was. I recently watched it myself, and I thought to myself, it does some things okay, but this is just really bad. Now Sean is getting the hate mail. It's a perfect time to strike. <laughs> you might say that, uh, but a lot of people do agree with me. They liked a lot of the things that they were going for, but it just felt very campy and ungood. Okay, so there's a unique art style, but what is it? The show that we're going to be talking about today only recently got an adaptation. Uh, as of about uh, 2014, 2013, around that time. Okay, that is mildly surprising mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, and there was so much content in the manga, and it did so well when it first came out, that they're actually um, making more and more as we stand. And there's a season airing right now that's actually really exciting. Okay, so this is just another attempt for you to be relevant. I mean, kind of. <laughs> Anime out of context. We're relevant, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically it's a show from, you know, or, or so, sorry, a story from the 80s and 90s, so that's technically old. All right, so let me take a guess, because most old things are, it's shonen, right? Well, I mean, you could call it a shonen. Yeah, all right, perfect, fantastic. <laughs> but, I mean, it has seinen elements. It has some adult themes, you know, with uh, lots of violence and blood. Uh, you know, that, that edge factor that you're such a big fan of. If done well, edge is good. So mm -hmm. maybe I'll be tentatively optimistic. Hmm, I think you should. Uh, because, Remington, the show that we're going to be talking about today is none other than JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 2. You see, Sean, this, 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 this was my concern. Everything I told you was true. Now I'm in the abyss. I got you again, motherfucker. In, in the back, it, there was a part of me, there was a part of me that as you were talking about how long it was and how it's still going, in the back of my mind, I was like, is he fucking talking about goddamn JoJo? And and I assuaged my worries. I told myself, no, no, don't be silly. It, it happened too, too recently. He wouldn't jump back into JoJo again after torturing me so viciously with more JoJo. I told myself that Sean is not that evil of a man. And I was wrong. And your next line is gonna be, I don't want to watch any more JoJo. What? What kind of weeb reference is happening right now? God damn it, Remington. Whatever happened to Yes And? <laughs> yes And, motherfucker, it's the basis of comedy. <laughs> Except when I'm confused by weebs. God damn it, Remington. We've discussed JoJo before. We watched uh, the entire first part and part of the second part. So it's only appropriate that we do part two of JoJo's. All right, well, let's rehash my opinions on our, our last podcast episode of JoJo's. My opinions were that season one is boring, abominable, and that nobody should ever watch it, and that the few episodes of season two I saw are obviously better, but I don't know if they're good or just better than an abomination. See, you are going to piss off a lot of fans, including the girl you're dating. Oh, don't I know it, Sean. Like, I'll be surprised if by the end of this episode, unless you say some really nice, good things about JoJo's, she might do some horrible things to you and we may never hear from you again. <laughs> to the listeners, this is my girlfriend's favorite anime, which hurts me deeply. It is possibly the biggest thing in our relationship that we disagree about constantly. It's a big oof. 
And quite frankly, it's the, all the more reason I feel like she's perfect for you. Uh, that's just because she agrees with you on this, Sean. That's because she's on the right side, the side of justice, the side of dramatic manly posing. After all, isn't it a beautiful duong? What the fuck does this mean? Uh, stand by, Remington. You'll get them eventually. All right, so just to review what I remember and feel about JoJo. Okay. So, first part, I'm hardly going to go through it because all of the characters are bad. Everything that I've been told about JoJo, that it's so over the top and that it really almost satirizes Shonen, it didn't. It took itself way too seriously. It was not at all ironic. It was overdramatic, melodramatic, and just very poorly done. The pacing was everywhere. The characters were shit. There were one or two decent decent characters who even then had their major flaws and ultimately it was a terrible experience to behold then we got into part two we watched only what was it three four five about five episodes five episodes or so of the second arc and that it was definitely better and it was wildly better but i don't know if it was good or if it was just so much better in comparison that i started to convince myself that it was pretty okay because it definitely had a far more interesting protagonist it was handling itself in a lot more of a fun manner it still had its major flaws but at least it started to realize what it was and i started to understand the growth of Jojo. That being said, good God, I'm not ready. So what you're saying is, your next line is, I don't want to watch more Jojos. I don't want to watch more Jojos. Perfect. Thank you. That's all I wanted. <laughs> uh, I love Jojos so much. But Remington, I told you exactly factual information uh, before I revealed what the show was. Uh, Hiriko Araki has been featured in the Louvre, which is quite the accomplishment for his use of character design and colors and his very overdramatic poses and art style. I feel like you may have told me that before, and I just shut it off in my brain because JoJo's. And see, the fact that you're willing to disagree with the French, who apparently know a lot about art, uh, I don't know, I've never been to France. French art, you say? Code Lyoko, is that you? Fuck you. <laughs> How many times in the most recent episodes am I just going to have to respond with fuck you? It's unoriginal. It's not comedic. It just has, it's just the most fitting thing. <laughs> it's just an impulse at this point. Yeah, it's like, like I have some kind of disassociative like speech disorder. I would like to point out, however, in at least one of the emails that we have gotten, a person agreed with my opinion on the first season of JoJo. They still really liked JoJo, but they agreed that the first season was the worst one and not good. I think they just said it, it was the worst of them, but they still enjoyed it, Remington. They I, said they understood my point, so I take it I was right. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you're not a politician? <laughs> not yet, Sean. Oh God, we're take we're taking the podcast to the Supreme Court. Let's go. <laughs> First bill that I am going to propose: banning all anime. No. Oh, what's next? You're gonna give Japan a third nuke? <laughs> we'll see how things go. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. What's? Can I start a trade embargo, but just on anime? <laughs> I mean.
See, it's just, oh, that's just censorship. All right, I want us to be China, but solely when it comes to anime. You know China has a lot of anime as well, right? Yeah, that's why I said you take away the anime, keep the censorship, but only of anime. That's what I want, an ideal world where I never have to look at anime again. There are Chinese anime, actually. There's also a South Korean anime as well. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a There's minute. There's also French anime. Code Lyoko. People would consider it, but no. <laughs> I'm talking more like Wakfu, but that's fine. What the fuck? Uh, don't worry about it. We might do it one day if people are interested in it. I don't know why they would be. Uh, maybe they're just those weeaboos I've heard about. Get it? Because we is, yes, in France. Yeah, oh, Jesus Christ. I promise I'm not racist. <laughs> All right, so we're, we're going to to watch JoJo's again. I, I, I've come to terms with that, John. As you should. However. What's up? I have a very important question to ask. Now, because it is a revisiting and we are in the middle of a season, you do not need to use your bullshit rule to extend the amount we watch. I do recall something of that nature. Now, this is a very frightening prospect because it means that we are, we have the potential to watch more than three to five episodes, which frightens the bejeebus out of me, Sean. So I just want to very politely, very, very calmly just ask you, how much JoJo are we watching, Sean? Well, Remington, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a very unique way of telling a story. Because, as you're aware, it is divided into parts rather than seasons, and each part indicates a new protagonist and a new type of story and a new storyline, all following the Joestar line of descendants. And we started part two. The only reasonable ending is to finish part two. Motherfucker, why? (laughs) (laughs) Look on the bright side. I even invited your girlfriend to come and watch it with us. Oh, so she can feel and see my pain, and then I'll be outnumbered. This is terrible. Why do I want to be surrounded by the people that I love being placed into the thing that I hate? (laughs) That's the human condition, my friend. Okay, so how many more episodes are... How many episodes total are there of the second arc? Uh, in the second arc, including the ones we've already seen? Yes. Uh, it starts with, there's four, uh, 16 episodes total. Oof. Okay. Okay. So we're looking at five to six hours of JoJo. No, no, no. We're not re-watching the things you've already seen. Oh, I'm aware. I did the math. <laughs> we're watching, you know... The important stuff. It's important to get this across to you, which is why also that we're recording this a bit earlier than anticipated so that we can space it out a bit for the sake of your sanity. (laughs) See, I was suspicious about our recording schedule. Now I understand it because, as we have learned, the more anime I watch at a time, the more likely I am to not survive until the next recording. Which I can't have you die yet, Remington. You're only allowed to die when I say so. Why Why do people want me to do JoJo's again? Who asked for this? Oh, I'll tell you who asked for this. We had quite a few people, including all the people who listened to the first episode and recommended it at that point. Uh, we also have recommendations from 
AJ, Anon, Samuel, Chris, Chase, Ray, and Kaylee. Why? Because JoJo's is an experience. And it's an experience you need to have to be in the anime community. I genuinely can't tell it whether they recommended it more because they love JoJo or because they love my pain. Because at this point, either one could be the predominant factor. I have the answer. Oh? Yes and, motherfucker. God damn it. <laughs> uh, but before we get into the show itself, Remington, I need to under I need to reaffirm what you remember from the plot of JoJo's. You don't have to really recall anything in part one, because we're done with part one. Part one is finito. Part two, different story. We watched about uh, four or five episodes of it, up to the point where the first of the Pillar Men was revealed. That would be Santana. Yes, so first of all, I believe part one is relevant because I'm still waiting, just as I mentioned before, I'm still waiting on Dio to show up because, oh, he died? Oh, yeah, of course he did. If anything I've learned, this show loves its goddamn twists. Dio is coming back. Ick, he may not even come back for this part. Maybe he'll show up in fucking part four for no reason. Who knows? There's no rhyme or reason here. Nonetheless, what I remember is you had the main character. This Joe was, like, edgier and more teenage and just far more rambunctious. Right? Uh, much more American. This is the American Joe. Uh, and the American <laughs> Joe? <laughs> now, Remington, I think you'll know. There's already American Joe. <laughs> and I believe he is a general. <laughs> <laughs> well, now uh, anime is coming for him. <laughs> and you also had pretty irrelevant black friend. You had... Uh, they, you, oh, you had, uh, the whole thing where there was scouting and searching and there was an evil general that looked like it was going to be interesting, but then the evil general fucking died. Uh, though I'm still skeptical about that too, because they never fucking die. I mean, he, he, he had a grenade and he blew up. I'm, that's pretty fucking dead, mate. I mean, I know that's pretty fucking dead. I know that and you know that, but does JoJo's know that, Sean? And I don't know the answer if it knows that. <laughs> But wasn't he your favorite character in the show anyways? He was pretty solid. He was a solid character who was more fleshed out than most. His motivations were clear, and I remember quite liking that. He was also a Nazi, Remington. I am aware of this, too. <laughs> I can like the character while disagreeing with their political beliefs. Uh, what if I told you he's anime's favorite Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> That is literally a common consensus because, uh, yeah, there's occasionally Nazi-esque imagery in anime as a whole because, you know, world history is a thing. Uh, but there's never been a whole lot of actual straight-up Nazis in it. It's kind of unanimous that General von Stronheim is uh, everybody's favorite anime Nazi. I'm, I'm validated to know that the weebs share my taste in Nazis. <laughs> so... Ultimately, the final thing I remember, Santana came, ran wild, just kicked the shit out of everyone, and then was sort of neutralized, though once again, I'm skeptical, as always. And so right now, it looks like you have sort of Team JoJo, Team Nazi, and then Team Otherworldly Creatures that have been submerged into the Earth all creepy-like. Yes, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, go watch JoJo's, it'll be worth your time. And at least listen to part one. If you've listened this far without listening to our first episode on JoJo's, you are vastly confused right now. Well, maybe not necessarily, because after all, 
Hearts are supposed to be their own inclusive stories, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, but ours aren't because part of part two is in our part one. Shh. <laughs> 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 look, look, look. They'll see part two in the episode title and they'll be like, oh, that's one of my favorite parts. I'll start with that one. <laughs> they'll be like, I'll skip part one because that's the bad one. <laughs> and, and say what you will, there are good scenes in part one. Sure, there might be good scenes, but let's go to an old favorite metaphor of mine, your dinner of shit. Oh, now, God, here we go. You might have some delicious sirloin that's somewhere in this shit pile. There might even be multiple chunks of sirloin, but forgive me, it's still not that appetizing. Don't get me wrong, you cooked and seasoned that sirloin like it was nobody's business. You are stellar at cooking sirloin. However, there is just too much shit for me to properly enjoy the sirloin you have given me. I like how you classify sirloin as your top tier steak, which really puts into a point <laughs> our current wealth status. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really shows that we're broke college students when we're like, oh man, those sirloins, you know, real expensive. <laughs> <laughs> those real pricey sirloins, you know, one of the cheapest cuts of meat you can get. Like, you, you didn't even go for, like, the filet mignon, which is the stereotypical rich person meat. You just couldn't even bring yourself to do it. You went straight for the sirloin. <laughs> Sean, we're too broke to even pretend to fantasize about filet mignon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the American healthcare and education system, folks. Uh, you guys have it so much better across the pond. <laughs> Without a doubt, there are some fantastic scenes and some super quotable scenes in part one that I still adore. After all, you were expecting uh, over-the-top dramatic story, but it was me, Dio. Come on. Come on. But it was me, Dio. Kono Dio da. Sure. Muda, 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 muda. This is some weeb-ass shit right now, and I hate it. And yes, Remington, this podcast is a JoJo's reference. I hate life. Yada, yada, See, I, I, I'm subscribed to several JoJo's subreddits, so I've got them for days. I got the references. I got the memes. Why does this ex Why is it this popular? I'm still... I'm going to try my damnedest. Try my damnedest to go in with an open mind and be reasonable because maybe, maybe part two is actually good and not just better than part one, but we will have to see on that. It's one of the most popular anime of all time and arguably the most popular manga in Japan. And I think I might have said in the first video that uh, the part three OVA was part of the reason uh, it was as popular as it was. I was fucking wrong on that. It's just because the manga is amazing. Uh, so I apologize if you listen to that and you're like, oh, this guy's full of shit. He hasn't actually watched the OVA. I've watched it now. I understand. <laughs> and just so you know, before we get started, where we left off, they found out that there are three more pillar men, stronger than the one they defeated, and they're going to Italy to find a master to train them in the art of Hammond. And with that... Let's go and watch some JoJo's Part 2, Battle Tendency. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back after consuming the entirety of part two of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And Remington, 
I think it's time for you to awaken yourself and tell us exactly what you think so that we can decide whether or not we need to crucify you or whatever type of treatment you truly deserve. Well, Sean, I want to think about the perspective of the listeners right now because obviously my opinions about JoJo were controversial. Many people understood me, but the vast majority of people disagreed with me. So now almost everyone thinks that season two or part two rather is better. And so they're wondering what I'm going to think. In fact, most of them are JoJo fans and most of them are hoping without hope that I am going to change my mind, that I will say yes, part one was critically flawed. It had its errors. It was not good. But part two is where it redeemed itself. It's where it got better, where it is not in the abyss. That's what they want me to say right now, Sean. And I have a feeling... They are right. Really? This gave me hope. And I sincerely changed my mind for the better about JoJo. Holy shit. Now let me explain. Okay, I imagine you're going to have some, a lot of negative things mine to say, but at this point, I, I feel happy. I feel elation. I feel, oh, I feel like there might be hope for you yet, Remington. We'll turn you into a super weeb yet. I would not go that far. Oh, don't worry, buddy. You'll be posing with the rest of us. Oof. Nonetheless, so we got started around episode, I don't know, four or five. It doesn't really matter because we watched the vast majority of part two anyway. Yep, it was the entirety of part two, starting from when they first defeated Santana, the first of the Pillar Men, and introduced ourselves to the main villains of the arc and the main conflict as such. So there's going to be spoilers, but we're not going to handle things necessarily chronologically, though most of my notes are generally chronologically. So we won't go story beat by story beat since there is so much to cover. But if you watch it, if you check it out, you'll generally understand. And even if you don't, then you should be able to still understand what notes I have. Funnily enough, when you take notes, you take them in the order you see shit. <laughs> Turns out, mostly, there's some... <laughs> that are just sort of all around the page, but don't worry about that. They're mostly chronological. Yeah, it's got to be said, mate. Your notes look a bit like a, like a school child's doodle page. They're just stream of consciousness where half the time I can't even take my eyes off of the screen because I need to be reading subtitles because they're speaking Japanese, so I need to be staring at the Japanese as I'm writing down whatever note I have, and I already have piss-poor handwriting. And I even see you drew a little star on there. I appreciate that. Uh, there are a few stars, actually, uh, and they are the special notes. Okay. They're the important ones. All right, let's start from the beginning then, Remington. What is the first thing you'd like to talk about when it comes to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 2, Battle Tendency? All right, so when we started, I was not optimistic. I was not hopeful. I said I was going to go in with an open mind, and I was going to try and do so. But at the end of the day, the last time we covered JoJo, it was very painful for me. That is correct. But gradually through watching it, I knew that part two was better. That was my opinion last time we talked about it. But I didn't know if it was going to be good or if my perception was skewed by how much better it was from part one. But as I continued to watch it, I realized just how much better it was going to be. This one doesn't take itself nearly as seriously as part one does. Because part one, all of its jokes and silliness and over-the-top gags 
weren't really gags. They were very, very serious and lacked a lot of self-awareness. Meanwhile, part two has much more self-awareness. That is very much so, especially in the main character, Joseph Joestar, who, for a lot of people, is their favorite JoJo. And I can totally understand why. Two of my least favorite characters in part one, where it was Zapelli and JoJo, we see here in Caesar and JoJo, both down the lineage, both the grandsons of their respective important god-awful characters. Oof. But this is a far better Zapelli and a far better JoJo because both of them actually have personalities. Both of them start to be fleshed out. Both of them start to have some depth to them, as well as both of them are self-aware and silly enough. Both of them are willing to be fun and have depth that just wasn't reached in part one. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. This is positive. I like this. This is a positive space and nothing could ever bring me down. I also think that the way that they were able to balance the serious and the silly was really powerful and they did a great job of showing the importance of some things but also taking the levity up when it needed to be. It really balanced those well. And of course, when it comes to things like the colors, the visuals, the animation, obviously that's all going to be well done or the music that's all going to be well done but that doesn't even need to be said at that point because i had those opinions before and one thing that i think it really starts to get right is once we get to the new pillarmen after we have santana then they unlock three more pillarmen and the way that it shows them and the way you have the first encounter and a little bit afterwards it shows that these are unstoppable forces of nature on a global scale and you start to wonder what can be done it in a way felt like sort of a curse of the mummy or indiana jones where they're dealing with something far bigger than themselves in a very fascinating way uh, funny you should mention Indiana Jones, Remington, because an interesting thing I probably neglected to mention about JoJo parts is the fact that in every single condensed part, it's a whole complete story, which I've mentioned before, but each story is a different style of story uh, from part to part to part. The first one was Fist of the North JoJo. Yeah. Which, of course, you weren't a big fan of in the first place, and JoJo was heavily inspired from Fist of the North Star, if that wasn't obvious from the get-go. Uh, but part two is more like Indiana Jojo in the Temple of Doom. Yeah, which is just way, way better. Just in concept, the first one should have been like Dracula Jojo, which you think it would be, because obviously it should have been. And but it then was. It was in a way. It was only in the fact that there were Victorian vampires and then literally nothing else. Well, that'll be a discussion for another day, I feel, Remington. There was no cerebral quality in part one. Meanwhile, in part two, you actually do start to get concepts. And of course, with this JoJo, obviously when it comes to the sleight of hand, I am partial to it. As a magician myself, sleight of hand is something I have studied, I have learned about, I have practiced, and so I always enjoy seeing it used. And so, of course, that was just a nod that I, myself, enjoyed a little bit more than probably most people. Joseph's fighting style is probably the most entertaining fighting style of all the JoJo's, because most of them tend to be very direct in their confrontations, and in a way, Joseph is very direct himself. 
but he always has a layer of trickery, a plan that he hides with his goofy bravado that makes him a compelling character and a compelling fighter. The part titled Battle Tendency is just exactly that. It shows the tendency for JoJo's battle and his cleverness to solve whatever complicated situation he's thrown into. And I think this is really well shown just how much better the fights are than in part one when you get the three pillar men and they're staring at Jojo and Caesar and it's wondering what will happen. And then you get the first fight between Wamu and Jojo and Caesar. And it's an actually interesting battle that actually kept my attention, which when it comes to Jojo, hadn't really happened before. That is true. The weakest part of the of Phantom Blood was most of the fighting. The only fight that was really worthwhile was the big fight between jo Jonathan and Dio in the mansion and Jonathan and Dio at the very end. And even those had very, very serious flaws. And... That is really detrimental when you are a shonen battle anime if your fights aren't great. So part one really struggled, but in part two, we see sincerely interesting choreography, including, for example, the first battle between Caesar and Jojo themselves. It was simple, but it was interesting and evocative. Everything made sense, it looked nice, and there were still some details in the battles that I wasn't a major fan of, but... Especially, for example, the ending twists to nearly every battle or how nobody can just stay down. But nonetheless, this one still improved on that theory a lot. And, quite frankly, that's why a lot of people love Part 2 so much. The battles that take place between the Pillarmen and uh, Jojo, and especially the... Most people's favorite fight in this entire part is not any of the fights that uh, Joseph is a part of, believe it or not. People tend to think that the battle between Caesar and Wham are the is one of the best fights there. And that one was genuinely good. And we'll get more into that one in a moment because it was beautiful and it was very well choreographed. But then the next thing that we touch upon, once they handle the Pillar Men and then Jojo gets in quite a predicament where he's able to get himself out of dying, but then ends up locked with some wedding rings that are timed for 33 days, and unless he can get the antidote from these Pillar Men, then he is a dead man walking. Then they have to set out for a plan. How are they going to, with just 33 days, prepare to defeat these all-powerful Pillar Men? And so, they find a coach, and this coach is Lisa Lisa. Yep, Lisa Lisa, the Hammond instructor that helped start Caesar with his training, whom Caesar incredibly respects, and whom immediately pisses off Joseph. Because Joseph has the temper of Yosemite Sam, for Christ's sake. And so, what they decide to do is, through their training, the first step is to climb Hell's Tower, right? And so, it's essentially just... A uh, 75-foot tower that they got to climb. Covered in oil so that the only way to climb is to stick to it using pinpoint Hammond. Yep, and there's still some problems that I have with Hammond. They started to elaborate a little bit better on it, especially in the first half, but I still feel like they do an inadequate job of fully fleshing it out or fully detailing it. I have a love for hard magic systems that say, here are the rules, here are how to use them, because if they're soft, then it's hard for me to interact or engage, 
and Hammond is a very soft magic system. Not the softest, there are rules, but the rules are very, very malleable. Uh, that is very much true. And I will say this to you, Remington. After part two, Hammond is not a thing. That is perfectly fine. Yeah, no, they completely uh, do away with it for the most part. Part three has a completely new power system. That is what most people think of when they think of JoJo. Well, well, hopefully, when we inevitably do part three, I view it as better than Hammond, because Hammond still hasn't quite won me over. It can be visually interesting. I think it's a neat idea, but I do not think that it was properly executed in large part because I don't think it was ever properly explained, which isn't to say they don't try sometimes, but I don't think that the author had a very clear idea of what exactly it was, in part because he wanted those those liberties, those freedoms to sort of do whatever he needed to do with them, which becomes a bit of a problem, but we'll discuss that more later. Right now, they're climbing up the tower, and I thought the whole struggle to climb was actually decently well done. You have Caesar, who is far more adept. He knows how to use it. Meanwhile, Jojo is struggling to even get off. I do think that it sort of lessened a little bit as soon as the oil spraying out of it started to begin, and then some things happened that I wasn't a huge fan of, but overall, it was nice to see Caesar and Jojo, and even a glimpse at the relationship that they could share, their closeness, which we don't see too often. Mm -hmm. In fact, their closeness over the span of the month that we don't get to see a whole lot of, which is a shame, but I understand you want to get to the main beefy part of the story because Jojo doesn't like to slow down at any point. I do have here that I really wish that they would have gone more in depth with the training because they rushed that really, really badly. Possibly the worst pacing in part two is just how they rush it over. I was really interested in seeing, all right, how are they going to get to the point where they are a formidable foe and... I think that was possibly the most interesting question of the whole part, and they didn't answer it very well. No, no, they didn't give as much attention to it as I would have liked. I would have liked if there was a whole nother story, or rather, a whole episode, just one episode dedicated to more of the training. Uh, but unfortunately, at the time when the manga was written, there was not... An additional training arc. It literally is just as we saw in the anime. It's actually probably one of the most faithful adaptations to a manga you can imagine, which, like I say, the manga doesn't matter, but in a weird sense, I would have liked it if they had added something new to the anime. Yeah, or if it had just been written with this. It seems like a glaring oversight when one of the major points and major questions you have at this time is, well, how can they possibly do it? And they make it a point even before this huge jump. All right, we're going to be training. It's going to take a lot. And there's still some level of doubt. Is this training going to be enough? And by the next time we jump ahead, yeah, sure it is. Oh, well, I mean, in fairness, they did have the setup of the mask, which limited his breathing to an extent that controlling his Hammond was nigh on impossible unless he gets the proper rhythm down. Which, you know, a month later, you would imagine he would get that rhythm down. And that rhythm is exactly what Hammond is. It's a ripple. It's a wave. It's a rhythm. It's a way of breathing to emulate that power. And it was a good setup, but yeah, I would have liked to see more. 
but what can you do? It is what it is, and we got what we got. And then we have it where some pillar men show up, and they're trying to steal, well, one pillar man, I should say. Yes, ACDC or SEDC, if yeah. you want to uh, be the correct English uh, translation, because, oh man, JoJo is a copywriter's worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. So we have SEDC, and <laughs> he comes and he fights JoJo. Instead of JoJo doing his proper training, he's just killed his trainer who we saw for 10 seconds. Poor Kenny Loggins. He never stood a chance. <laughs> we, like, it's another reason why they should have done more training because you see the character for 10 seconds. And then he's dead in the next episode. And then they sort of act like it's emotional, but I don't give a shit. I don't know who they are. I saw a glimpse of them in a couple frames. Yeah, nope. Definitely dropped the ball on that one. I would have loved to hear what great insights Loggins would have had. It would have been great. He would have taught Jojo about the danger zone. It would have been amazing. Oh, God. And so we have a completely dead Kenny Loggins. And then <laughs> ACDC and Jojo, they start fighting. They start battling. And I think that what I realized in this and the next few scenes with the battles that they had is that JoJo's at its best when it doesn't try to complicate its battles. I wrote it around this time because once when it keeps things simple, like it did with the first Pillarman fight until the very end, or, or like it did with Caesar versus JoJo, it can do really well. But when it tries to overcomplicate things, that's when its flaws really start to show. And in this, we saw an example of a more complex fight that was okay, but we also saw a much simpler and more interesting fight around this same time. And so it's clear, to me at least, that when it is able to reel itself in, it does spectacularly well with its battles. Very much so. And it's got to be said, the abilities of the Pillar Men and their, the way they control their bodies is fascinating. Like, it's a very interesting power system if you think about it, even though we've only seen, you know, three examples of it. Not counting Santana, because he was just kind of the first one to display that, hey, he's got absolute control over every aspect of his body. Yeah, definitely seeing the ideas and the, the just bravado that they hold looking at the way they carry themselves, the way they interact with the world, their bodies moving and how they respond to the impacts. I think that it's very evocative and very fascinating to watch. It definitely is one of the biggest strengths. There is just something about the Pillar Men that feels both intimidating but fascinating at the same time. Especially when they make their first appearance, which is the biggest meme of part two, I might have mentioned. When they first come out of the wall and the line, Awaken My Masters, is played, and they all do their dramatic pose with their uh, theme song in the background, it's like, that's both intimidating and awesome and perfectly memeable, and I love every aspect of it. And so after this, they feel ready, they feel prepared, and they have to go, and they have to get back the Aja Stone, which ended up being stolen. There was a whole kerfuffle, which was fine. It wasn't notable, really, in either way. It's the MacGuffin of the series, so there's going to be a lot of stuff revolving around it. Yeah, and the way that it got taken was fine, sure, okay. And so it gets taken, it gets sent to the Nazis. <laughs> it always ends up with the Nazis. How dare they? It's always those damn Nazis. They're everywhere these days. Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's back again. Exactly. But, yeah, the Nazis, they're, they're a thing, aren't they, Remington? 
I have a comment, but I'll save it for later. <laughs> <laughs> so after Lisa Lisa sent the stone away because they had a feeling that what, the Pillar Men would come to where she was to take it from her, you know, a preemptive measure to get the stone away from them. Then we get introduced to uh, obviously one of the most dramatic and most powerful, most impactful fights in the series after some drama with the Nazis and the fighting with the stone and whatnot. And Sean, let me say right now, why the fuck does Caesar have to have a tragic backstory? (laughs) (laughs) And the way they did it, the way they did it was totally out of JoJo part one, where all they did was Caesar got angry and they were like, oh, don't you know he has a tragic backstory? What is this shit? Fairy tale? Get out of here! (laughs) You know, Joe. You know what, Remington? I've noticed something about JoJo's, and this might be an observation others have made, but it's the one that I've kind of prided myself on uh, noticing. JoJo follows D and D logic. <laughs> I mean, at times. So much so that it's you get that kind of entertainment you'd get from playing the game of D and D, where talking tends to be a bit of a free action. Uh, plans and activities are zany and crazy to the point where it's like, would that work? If that works, that's amazing. If not, it's going to be a hilarious failure. Uh, the power systems are creative and curious, like someone in D&D manipulating a spell in a way that you didn't think it could be quite manipulated, if thus frustrating your DM and driving them mentally insane. <sighs> Sorry, had a moment there. But at any rate, I think that's what makes it amazing including the backstory tra- of tragedy because i don't know if you've noticed but most adventurers in a dnd esque story don't exactly have a good story before they go into things there's some kind of tragedy layered within and if you have a less than stellar player they might just decide to tell you their backstory after like three instances of meeting so what you're telling me is that caesar is just a really bad dnd character <laughs> I wouldn't say Caesar's a bad D&D character. I'd say Caesar is being played by a bad D&D player. <laughs> but I do think that it was just the worst way to handle a tragic backstory, and it felt very forced and artificial when you just have to be like, oh, don't you understand? You should feel sad now. Uh, I get that, but I still don't have a problem with it because I still love Caesar. Oh no, Caesar was one of easily one of the more interesting characters. Caesar was great, and we'll get into how I think he dies too soon, narratively speaking, very quickly. <laughs> but that moment was a big oof for me. Oof. Yeah, perfectly understandable. And speaking of Caesar, after uh, reclaiming the the stone and realizing that the other two pillar men are around. He goes on to fight them during the daylight, because of course that's when you're going to fight these guys. They die in sunlight, so you want to have every advantage you can. But the rest of them are hesitant, because they don't want to go into the enemy's nest unprepared, because you don't know what could be in there. So Caesar runs off, and then their sort of right-hand man, who also isn't very relevant, chases off after him after following orders from Lisa Lisa. Yeah, that would be Messina. Yeah, good, good old fella. And then you have Jojo and Lisa Lisa. They're like, 
you know what? We're gonna go after him too. But then they very casually stroll on over there. They don't feel any urgency. It seems like they feel urgency, but when you catch up to them, it is the most nonchalant walk you could ever imagine. <laughs> to be fair, there was the time gap between when he said the story and when everybody left afterwards. Excuse me, talking is a free action. Ha 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 ha. Don't use my words against me, you prick. <laughs> well, if they create inconsistencies. Well, I'm all about inconsistencies, as you know, Remington. <laughs> oh, I see your love of part one of JoJo. Oh, fuck you. Uh, but, yeah, after they get to that point, we see probably the coolest fight in part two. Wamu versus Caesar, and it's very captivating. There are lots of really interesting and intense moments. Once again, it doesn't try to do too much. I think towards the end, it gets a little bit iffy, but everywhere before then, it's very powerful, very interesting, very, very well done. Especially Caesar's ultimate attack, the Shaman Cutter Lens ability. I forget the exact name of it. It's, it's English and it's wonderful and it's fantastic. But, oh my god, what a cool and pretty ability. It was absolutely beautiful, very visually appealing. Once again, I disagree with how it ended. I also disagree with Caesar, with Caesar dying here because Wamu eventually kills him and Caesar is able to steal the lip ring containing the antidote for Jojo's poison. And Jojo has already had one, so this is all he needs to at least be safe past the 33-day mark. And so, using his final amounts of energy, just like shitty, shitty Zapelli in part one, he decides to use the last of his energy to help a Jojo. Instead of attacking Wamu with the last of it, he encases this lip ring into a bubble along with his bandana before he gets ceremonially crushed by the ceiling. Which, oh man, I will tell you right now, Remington, this is the first death in all of JoJo that people actually started talking about uh, because it actually affected them a lot in a very deep and personal way. It affected me in a lot of ways. Uh, you say it happened too quickly, and I, I agree. I understand why we wish we could have had more stuff with Caesar. But honestly, I think it was well enough done that I still felt sorry for the rest of the characters and for Caesar himself when he goes. See, and I'm not sure if I agree, because first of all, Caesar was just getting really interesting as a character. And the fact that they say, oh, here's his tragic backstory, oh no, he just died, makes it really seem like it's just a sympathetic emotional grab, rather than flowing organically from the story. I feel like he had a lot more character to have and that just narratively speaking it would have been better if he lasted a bit longer that being said i can understand this easily is the single best death and most meaningful death in jojo's bar none there is not a close second place and my god i still felt sad for him i felt sad for both lisa lisa and for joseph when they find out that he dies and the way they handled them discovering what happened to him is, I feel, really well done, quite frankly. And I think this is where I would diverge, because I don't think it was that well done, because yet again, it was mostly telling rather than showing. We didn't really get to see much chemistry between Jojo and Caesar, or Caesar and Lisa Lisa. There were some moments, sure, but 
If I'm being honest, relationships just isn't what JoJo's does well. It establishes them as existing, but rarely does it show genuine warmth. And it had some brief moments as they are mourning his death. But I just felt like it wasn't enough at that point. They hadn't built it up enough for it to feel emotionally real. So you wanted more in the training arc then? Yes, just give me more <laughs> of the training arc and so many problems could be fixed. Come on, Hirohiko Araki, you can do it. You're like a multi-million dollar, like, tycoon of the anime world. You can slip in that training arc at some point. We won't mind. And Sean, it is now that I have to mention something very important. Okay. After Caesar's death, the second part of JoJo gets really, really, really fucking bad. Oh, God, here we go. So fucking bad. Oh, my God. What is the matter with you, Remington? What is the matter with this show? It had it. I was enjoying myself. I was a reformed man, Sean. There was a gleam in my eye and hope in my heart, and then it crushed it, and it didn't crush it all at once. At first, I thought, oh, is it just a bad moment? Is it just a bad couple of episodes? But no, after seeing... Caesar's death, it gets worse and worse and worse when there is no reprieve! Oh, come on, Remington. It's still amazingly JoJo the whole way through. No, no, no. Let me explain what happens after Caesar's death and why it becomes so much worse. What I talked about, about sometimes the battles were getting a little bit overcomplicated, especially at the end. Let's face it, the author and creator has no idea how to end a fight. So he has to end it 20 different times in wildly convoluted ways so that you never feel like there's any tension or stakes in these battles anymore. Oh yeah, that character is down. Okay, let's see it again. No, okay, yeah, of course they're not down. Oh, another twist? Wow, what a surprise. And so they mean nothing. There are no stakes because it says no matter how important I make something feel, it will be irrelevant within three minutes. It will all be for naught. Oh wow, you really beat the shit out of each other. It won't matter because I'll still be able to do a full power surprise on you. Oh, and that should take you out, but it doesn't. Nothing has consequences. Nothing has ramifications until the very end, but it's such a convoluted path to get there that it's meaningless. First First of all, rude. Second of all, it there's loads of weight and impact to a lot of these fights. And yes, of course, they keep getting back up after uh, being knocked down. And you think to yourself, is this the last time? Of course, it might be. But then they get back up and blah, 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 more fighting. And yeah, it can be a little convoluted. But Remington, you forget. These are super powerful, super highly intelligent, highly regenerating beings that if you don't guarantee they stay down when you hit them down, then they're gonna get back up. But the same principles apply to Jojo. Let me put it this way. If you saw the two best swordsmen alive going at it, it would be an amazing spectacle. And as soon as one gets stabbed in the heart, it's over and you feel it. Meanwhile, with this, you have a bunch of cool things sometimes happening, even though there's little rhyme or reason, Jojo becomes a caricature of his elements. He completely loses the fun element of him, replacing it with honor, where sure, he will have his moments, but he is either only silly or only serious. He 
divides into Schrodinger's caricature Jojo. Meanwhile, where I thought that it was strong foundations that would build into a proper character with meaning, with purpose, with depth and dimensionality, instead, it stays flat. If anything, it gets flatter and more hopeless. And that is not my only critique, Sean, because this happens to everybody. Nobody means anything. You have cars, the mastermind behind the Pillar Man, multiple times reaffirming that he is in there for the goal. That is what matters. Nothing else does. Honor doesn't matter. Fun doesn't matter. You shouldn't be relishing in anything. We have a goal and we're going to do it. Oh, until he starts fighting, in which case he completely backtracks on all of those principles. Meanwhile, you have Jojo. Oh, you guys remember how Caesar sacrificed his life and the last of his Hammond just so he could get the antidote for Jojo and protect it for Jojo instead of attacking the Pillar Man in front of him. Well, Jojo doesn't take it then. He says he's gonna wait till he does kill the Pillar Man. Sorta takes Caesar's death in vain entirely. It does not. It's a matter of pride, Remington. And that is where a lot of these characters have their strength and their greatest weakness is via pride. And I understand that you can say it's pride, but I was even talking to my Jojo apologist girlfriend and she agreed that it took Caesar's death in vain because the entire reason that Caesar died was to get Jojo the antidote so that he wouldn't have to kill Wamu before. And you can say that it's Jojo's pride that he wants to kill Wamu first, but you cannot say that that doesn't mean Caesar's death was in vain. All you're saying is that Jojo is so selfish that he doesn't care about taking Caesar's death in vain. He needs to feel the honor about it, which ultimately I feel is a terrible character decision. If your friend has exclusively died to make sure that you don't need to do this, that he has died specifically so that you can take the antidote before killing Wamu, that was the whole point of his final gesture and Jojo doesn't go through with it. You can say that it's understandable that he doesn't, but you cannot say that Caesar didn't die in vain because that was the whole point of what his last breath was. Caesar would have died even if he didn't get the nose ring from it. It wasn't the whole reason he went and fought Wham. He fought Wham because he thought he could take him down and beat him, and he almost did. He only lost because of some extremely bad luck and involving uh, his positioning as well as Wham's innate battle tendency in and of itself. That's absolutely absurd, your argument, because here's why, Sean. Yes, he would have died anyway, but he, it explicitly states that where he could have used the last of his Hammond to attack Wham, and thus making it easier for Jojo to take care of him, because they do specify Wham is injured after the incident, instead of doing that, he spends the last of his Hammond protecting that and getting it to Jojo, getting Jojo the antidote, just like, as it explicitly tells you, Zapelli sacrificed his life for Jojo to live. It wasn't about Wham. He explicitly stated that it wasn't about Wham. The last of his Hammond energy was getting Jojo the antidote, and the only reason that he would do that is if he wanted Jojo to get the antidote before killing Wham, because if Jojo kills Wham, he already gets the antidote. That's not the only reason he gave the last of his Hammond. 
Hammond, though. He also did the exact same thing the original Zapelli did. He put all of his remaining Hammond into that bubble so that when Jojo came in contact with it, that remaining Hammond flowed into his body as well. So not only was it just the ring, it was also a message to Jojo saying that he believes that he can beat both of these people but as well as entrusting the remainder of his power to give him that extra edge in the fight against them. But regardless of whether it was just for the ring, it was also about the ring. And by saying, by ignoring the ring, that means that his death was in vain. But ultimately, right now, we have just turned into a bunch of weebs arguing about shit, which is not a position that I am particularly fond of being. You just so called yourself a weeb. That's what we seem like right now. Ha <laughs> ha, I am making progress with you. Oof. <laughs> but to move forward, then you get into more convoluted battle tactics, and then it turns into JoJo's sleight-of-hand ability. Instead of making any sense whenever, it turns into an utter bastardization where his sleight-of-hand just turns into, I can make anything happen at any time, whenever I feel like, and I'll just explain it afterwards. Not in a way that makes sense, just in the way, oh... I did it then. But that's the way he's been doing it since the beginning, Remington. Especially with anything involved in rope and string. He has been shown to direct his enemy's attention throughout different locations, giving him the opportunity to make uh, whatever loops and knots he needs in such a fashion where he can set up a clever trap to, the, to hopefully finish off his enemy. And God, would I love it if they were clever traps, Sean. But they aren't clever traps. They're deus ex machinas repeated again and again and again and again and again because that's all this show becomes is deus ex machina after deus ex machina. Nothing makes sense. Nothing is built into reason. Nothing is well motivated. Things just happen, which was one of my main critiques in JoJo Part 1. And it's ultimately something that pervades the entirety of JoJo. Even, even the parts that I ended up liking. Dialogue isn't characters speaking to one another. It's characters saying lines that they want to say to themselves. Fighting isn't two characters interacting with each other. Rather, it's one big move after another big move. These aren't interactions between people. They're individuals doing things. And then, once, once we have Jojo, and he barely, barely defeats another Pillar Man. He barely defeats Wham, gives him an honorable death, sure. Neat. Then we have Lisa, Lisa versus Cars. And Lisa, Lisa, despite supposed to be one of the best ham and you're supposed to be better than Jojo, better than Caesar, better than all of them, she's their coach, goddammit. And they even show moments where they respect her. She does nothing. She is irrelevant. She has two, maybe three cool moves the entire time before being shown to be completely useless and just another damsel in distress. Okay, now, first of all, she got tricked. It happens to the best anime characters. Yeah, she thought she was fighting... I just forgot his name. Cars. Yeah, <laughs> she thought she was fighting cars, but she knew something was off with it. And as she was fighting, she de deals a finishing blow. She thinks she's won the day, and then he comes out from hiding and stabs her in the back. But when this whole time she has been built up as this amazing professional, a coach who has honed the craft, who is so well-skilled, she gets two cool moments and nothing else? The entire rest of the time she is utterly useless? She does less than any other main character in the battles. 
which isn't great when she's supposed to be wildly important and powerful. And she is, but she got taken by surprise. That's usually the best way to deal with people you don't know if you can beat. And then when Jojo is taken by surprise 20 times, he survives, 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 no sweat, don't worry about it. I mean, there's a lot of sweat involved, Remington. This is Jojo's. I mean, nonetheless, it just seemed like a total waste of a character that you could have built up, but instead ends up just being a very prototypical femme fatale with a bullshit twist at the end that is not very well built up to, that once again is told to us rather than shown, so we once again don't get to feel the importance about this connection that Jojo and Lisa Lisa should have. Instead, we are just told, hey, this is important, because that's the only way Jojo knows how to make you feel emotions is by telling you that you should care, and then, and then, right when they think they have the big baddie they have killed him but of course they haven't nobody believed they killed the big baddie why would anybody believe that have you watched the show then all of a sudden oh he has the mask he has the stone he used it perfectly and now he is the perfect being uh, to be fair, he did grab the stone when he defeated Lisa Lisa, and he had the th components with him, but the thing is he needed sunlight to make it work. That was always the big factor of uh, why he needed the stone. To beat the sun, he had to take in the power of the sun. No, I'm, I'm, I can agree with you that a bunch of wildly convenient things happened, and that's not even my major critique. You create this being, and then it clearly establishes rules, such as him being invincible, that it will quickly go against, and then you have a battle between Jojo and a now perfect being. If he can't be killed, what can he possibly do? And then a bunch of nonsensical bullshit happens. The fight makes no sense. And ultimately, the conclusion, the end of the fight, dear God, one of the worst endings of a fight I have ever seen. As a mass consumer of anime, I can tell you right now, no. That's fucking rough if it goes worse than this. Because when watching, in the back of my mind, I was going to joke that, well, just throw him into the sun. Ha 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 ha. And not quite, but basically, yeah. Just throw him in. And I understand that things don't need to be realistic but they need to be real to the world they need to follow any type of internal logic and the end of this fight just does not do that there are many times where you wonder why can't they just do this and this isn't even to bring up the many times that the villains could have killed the heroes so many instances but they don't because of honor or because they want to enjoy the moment which i have ranted is just an excuse for shitty plots where you want to create artificial tension but you don't actually want to have the consequences likewise here you don't have the consequences even at the very end sean the very end where both cars and jojo die and sure, it's bullshit that Cars died, but Jojo had to sacrifice himself to do it. So isn't there some weight there? This person that we have grown with, this unstoppable force, has now been stopped? No, fuck you, he shows up at his own funeral. Also, fuck you, he's also married to the one girl who was irrelevant and who, the moment I saw her, I said, oh, I can't wait for the convoluted bullshit way they end up together. 
And they did. And it was meaningless because she was yet another damsel who's just a pretty face and doesn't exist for any other reason but to be a wife. And you have Jojo just come back and there are no consequences. He hasn't contacted these people for months and he tries to cheekily explain what happens. Oh, <laughs> I thought I called, didn't my wife? Oh no. And now we just have this Jojo who's all silly and not serious yet again. Once again, there's no weight. There's no importance. There's no value in it. And then he becomes weirdly racist, but that's relatively irrelevant. That was just really fucking weird how he gets <laughs> sincerely really, really racist. Uh, mostly because of the Japanese thing, uh, because his daughter was uh, taken away from him in his eyes. I mean, if, if, if this was 50 years ago and you said, how dare my daughter marry a black man? That's real fucked up, Sean. He's and also from the that, 40s, you dummy. So I can't say that that's really fucking racist? This show tried to make Nazis look good, and they weren't even racist in JoJo's. <laughs> How can you have the Nazis be in it, and they're not the racist ones? But they are racist. In the part that we saw in the last episode we recorded, if you don't remember. Oh, they were vaguely racist. Okay, yeah, sure. But, uh, yeah, it was the race thing. Yeah, he was being fucking racist. That, that's a fact. Uh, and in part three, he goes away from being racist. I'll tell you that right now. Well, yeah, because character development doesn't exist in JoJo's. Because in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, characters start out as potentially interesting that maybe if they grow, they can become something, but then they don't. And the only way that it attempts to do so is the fairy tale method of, hey, here's something about them. Here's why you should care. And so I genuinely thought for almost the entirety that we were watching it until the latter half of part two, that I was going to be a reformed man. I finally started to understand why people liked JoJo's, but then it threw it all away by indulging in the worst elements. Ultimately, what I think JoJo's comes down to is that it's just a bad joke that I'm not laughing at because the characters aren't there, the story isn't there, the relationships aren't, and if none of those can really exist, then what it tells me is that this show doesn't have emotions or heart. It's style, but very little substance. And that's fine for some people. If you want to see a bunch of cool action scenes and you don't care if they're logical, you don't care if they make sense either within the world or within the characters themselves. If you just want to see really cool shit happen and you don't care about much else, then this will be a really great anime. But so far, what this has taught me is that for all of the reasons that I have a disposition against shonen, the stereotypes that it's all action but little ideas, and the reason that I like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood because it subverts that so well, JoJo epitomizes. And I guess I'm just feeling very disappointed because I really, truly, sincerely thought I was going to change my mind. And I did, but not for long.
I will say this, Remington. Saying JoJo does not have heart in it is probably the worst opinion you've ever had. Because this show, this manga, this anime has changed hundreds of thousands of people. Their views on the world, their views on art and media, and character, believe it or not, to the point where this phenomenon, this experience that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, has permeated anime and media as a whole to the point where it's everywhere, Remington. And I completely agree that it has been wildly influential and that it has affected many people, but that's just because it is unique. That is just because, and this is to its credit, it is in a lot of ways different than anything else out there. It has such strong style that any comparisons that you have to something else ultimately end up just that, comparisons. They don't match the true thing. JoJo's is unique, and that's why I think it has captured so many people, but I've talked about it before. Unique ideas, they can capture people, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're good. Sword Art Online, it captured people with an evocative premise and interesting ideas, not because it was great quality on anything. And I totally understand that some people will even be attached to these characters. Many people are attached to many characters I think are flat or boring. Whether you look at things that I personally am not a fan of, like Hunger Games, where I once again think the characters are flat or boring, but people connect with them, people care about them. And if you love JoJo's, that's fine. I can understand because there was a part of me that for a brief moment loved it too, but I really wish that I could have held on to that. I just have a bit higher expectations for those things, and it wasn't met. Oh, this is a dark day indeed, Remington. Especially considering we still have three other parts we need to watch. God damn it! And I'll say this right now. A lot of people consider part two to be one of their favorites. For a lot of the reasons you've specified. It had a lot of potential. And I feel like it did a fairly good job with all of it. Though you may disagree, as you are prone to do, I've noticed. It's almost like you have contrary opinions to a lot of anime because you hate anime. And yet I have really good reasons the vast majority of the time, including this one. You like Umaru-chan, you piece of shit. And I explained why I liked Umaru-chan. If you disagree with that opinion, listen to the episode. I make some damn good points. You're still a piece of shit. But... JoJo's is still going to be one of my favorite shows, Remington, and nothing you say can take that away from me. You know why? Because the heart of JoJo's beats with a rhythm inside all of us. Feel the beat of the Hammond within yourself, Remington. Eventually, you will come to realize why JoJo is truly special. Not now, perhaps, because you have been disappointed by the end of part two, which I can understand. It does take a... Uh, jumping the shark to a whole new level in a lot of ways. But honestly, I like that about JoJo's. I like the inane bullshit that they tend to throw at you. And as JoJo's continues on and on and on into part three, which is most people's favorite part, including some of their favorite characters, their favorite interactions, their favorite fights, and parts onward, as the story changes, as the character style changes, as the show itself 
changes into a new type of experience, all still being connected to all these JoJo's down the line in some way or another, people still keep coming back to JoJo, even now when it is currently in Part 8 of the manga, and a lot of people aren't a big fan of Part 8. But then again, there are some diehard fans of Part 8 who will defend it to their dying breath. And I think, Remington, we just need to find the perfect JoJo for you. Part 2 was a step in the right direction, but who knows? Maybe Part 3 will have something you prefer, maybe Part 4 is the one for you, or right now, Part 5 is kind of becoming my favorite JoJo part. And I don't know if that'll stay the same till the end, because granted, I haven't read the manga to completion. I'm one of those anime-only types with this one. But if that's the case, we might find something that really resonates with you. And I hope that'll be the case one day, because this is one of my favorite animes and my favorite experiences to share with my fellow weeb and otaku friends. Because JoJo's is an experience, and it's an experience that you can always find something positive in. And let me clarify right now, I'm totally okay that you like JoJo's, and I'm not trying to take away that like, because... In a way, I think that the community for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is more important than the show itself. It is the ideas and the memes that are shared and all the jokes that are had, all of the indications that everybody can recognize from the colors to the characters to the posing to the music that you can easily identify with others. I think right now, that is even more important than the show for the community. And so I wouldn't want to take that community away because as much as I critique the show, I think the community can be valuable and important. And I think that is really what the show has created. More than character, more than plot, more than relationships, it has created a community. For once, Remington... I think I can agree with you on that. The community is what makes JoJo special, but not just the community, the whole experience itself. And one day, Remington, one day, I'm gonna find something in JoJo's that resonates with you. The Hammond that connects you to this weird, wonderful experience that is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Oh, it'll happen. <laughs> it'll happen. I will aura, aura, aura my way all the way over to you, and I will just beat it into you. You will enjoy JoJo's at some point in your life, even if it's ironically. Bring it on, bitch. That's my challenge to you. I'm donning my logic-defying hat. I'm getting my stupidly oversized school uniform on, and I'm ready to kick your ass, Remington. I'm going to make you a JoJo's fan yet, and this has not discouraged me. Oof. <laughs> and all the JoJo's fans out there, I'm sure, can agree with me on one thing. There's nothing else quite like JoJo's. And I have to say, Remington, will you watch more JoJo's with me? Oh, I'm sure that you'll make me down the line, but right now, Sean, I think I'm going to pass. That will change. That will change. Your beautiful Dwayne will come just yet. But thank you all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed our in-depth discussion on the cultural effects of a macho man punching macho men type of show then you can leave a review on whatever platform you listen on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, or honestly, if you want to help us grow, word of mouth is the best way to do it. And if you would like to contact us directly, whether it is for a comment, question, feedback, or recommendation, then you can either tweet us at AnimeConPod on Twitter or send an email over onto AnimeOutOfContext at gmail.com. 
Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and don't fuck your sister.